From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. This is Idaho Matters. The U.S. Constitution has been around for more than 200 years, and it has only been changed 27 times. And all those changes were done the exact same way. Now, it is not easy to amend the Constitution, and the framers did that on purpose to make sure changes were widely considered and widely accepted by Americans. But now, some are looking at a different way to change the Constitution. It's called a constitutional convention, and Idaho could be an important state in that process. The City Club of Boise will explore this topic on Thursday in Boise, so we wanted a preview. So joining us today are McKay Cunningham. He is the Director of On-Campus Experiential Learning at the College of Idaho, where he also teaches constitutional law. Chuck Malloy, he is a longtime Idaho journalist and an independent columnist, along with Representative Alana Rubel. She is Idaho's House Minority Leader. They will all be at the City Club of Boise this Thursday, and I want to welcome all of you to Idaho Matters. Thanks for and having Ma- us. It's great well, to be back. It's, it is good to have all of you here. McKay, let me start with you. Tell us how to amend the Constitution. What is the process that has always been used in the past? Um, yeah, you know, it's funny, Gemma. This, I think the very first time I was on your program was eight years ago in 2017, and we were talking about the very same thing. So this is not new, but your your question right. is um, the ways that the Constitution can be amended. And you correctly, right at the, at the start, suggested that they purposefully made it difficult to amend the Constitution. There are two ways, both of which are listed specifically in the Constitution itself in Article 5, to amend it. The first is that Congress, federal Congress, by two-thirds of a joint resolution, uh, proposed changes that are then ratified by at least three-fourths of the states. That's the way that we have done it uh, every single time. The Constitution has been amended 27 times to date. But the other way, which has never been done, and that's the, the purpose of our conversation now, the other way is for two-thirds of the states to petition Congress for a convention. And if two-thirds of the states, that's 38 out of 50 states, do so, then a convention is held in which amendments may be proposed. Okay. And so this is that constitutional convention you're talking about, McKay. So what I'm curious about then is, would it, I would assume every state would then have representatives that would go to this convention. It's not, would it, I mean, would it not be like, well, if you live in that state, show up for the convention, McKay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that we don't have any precedent. We don't have any guide. There are no rules or procedures that have been written out for, for how this convention would take place. But presumably, Gemma, you're right, that, that every state would send delegates from their state to participate in the convention. So, Chuck, how many states have already signed on to this idea of a convention? Well, it depends uh, what proposal you're talking about. Uh, there is uh, one proposal, uh, constitutional, what was it, constitutional states of America. Uh, they, they don't have many people signed on, but there's another one pushed by a fellow named uh, Lauren Ennis. Uh, they, they have uh, 27 uh, states signed on right now. Now, the magic number is uh, 34 uh, before con- before Congress would be required to, you know, call for a convention. But, uh, you know, that, that's a long uh, road to hoe. Uh, mm. 
during the Reagan years, they got up to uh, 32 and couldn't get to that magic 34. So, um, you know, there, there, there's a long way to go, but there is momentum build for uh, balanced budget now. I think that that's, that, that's the cause. Um, 32 states were signed on in the Reagan years. Some 20-some-odd states uh, backed away from it, including Idaho, and uh, another 16 states signed on again. So now it's up to, uh, to Idaho, and you know they, they, they might be uh, number 28 if it goes through. Mm. So, Representative Rubel, would, Idaho, would the Idaho legislature introduce a resolution calling for a constitutional convention? I, I think that's happening today. Uh, oh, well, OK, there's my Ruby. answer. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's happening in the Senate State Affairs Committee today, I think, at least according to the agenda I was looking at over the weekend. Um, they have brought it before. It failed on the Senate floor last time. Um, but this is something that's been per percolating around the legislature for quite some time, and it's come fairly close to passage in the past. And there's a huge push with big money behind it this year on uh, lots of lobbying push um, to make it happen this year. And in the past, the, the primary champion opposing it was uh, former Senate uh, Republican leader, Bart Davis. Uh, he really made very powerful arguments against it on the floor and successfully got it killed before. He is no longer here. So without him here and with the new influx of lobbying cash behind it, um, it, it may have more traction than it had before, and it had substantial traction before. So, hey, Jim, can, can I can I jump in here yes. real quick because um, yes. Representative Nobel mentioned that there is um, uh, a petition that's going to be submitted today, but I believe last Friday in the Senate uh, Rules and Judiciary Committee, um, uh, uh, Senate Concurrent Resolution One Twelve was actually put to print. Um, and I would encourage your listeners to to take a look at it. That's Senate Concurrent Resolution 112. Um, and it is it is really broad and the call that it includes for that convention. I can read it to you if, if you think you, it would be of interest. Um, yes, if you can, that would be great. Yeah, so, so that resolution calls for an Article 5 convention to impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and to limit the terms of office for its officials and for its members. And it's that second clause to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, which I think is particularly concerning because that opens up the entire Constitution to revision. Almost every single word in the Constitution addresses the power and jurisdiction of the federal mm -hmm. government. So this particular resolution, if it is adopted by the Idaho legislature, is concerning uh, for a lot of people because it really is not restricting uh, what can be done to the Constitution in any meaningful way. Okay, um, and I'm, I'm glad. McKay, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. Okay, you have Go a ahead. point there. That, that That's the COS resolution. But, but there is another one uh, that... Uh, would uh, con confine the discussion to uh, one issue, and uh, and and that's uh, a balanced budget amendment. Uh, you know, I don't. I you you may know more than I do about whether it's possible to 
can find a convention to uh, one item, but I, I think that that's uh, the intent of uh, this other resolution. Well, that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to ask. That's exactly what I wanted to ask is that, um, McKay, with this um, push for a constitutional convention, um, was there a particular issue that the, 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 the states or representatives want amended in the Constitution? Or, as you just read in that latest bill, it, it opens up potential for the entire Constitution to be reexamined and uh, possibly changed. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, um, as I think Chuck mentioned earlier, there's a lot of different approaches that states have taken over the years, and some of their proposals are very limited and restricted, and some of them are very broad. Um, and because we have no precedent, because we've never done this before, we're, we're not even sure if, once a conviction was called, if it could be restricted in any meaningful way. And and on top of all of that, this Senate Concurrent Resolution 112 that the Idaho Ledge is currently considering um, is one of the most broad proposals that I, I've, I've ever seen. Again, it, it has that phrase, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. I mean, that every single one of the Bill of Rights deals with the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, whether it's free speech or gun possession or reasonable searches and seizures, et cetera, that, that lays the whole document open for uh, for revision. And yeah. McKay, you teach... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Representative. Oh, yeah, I was just going to underscore what McKay just said in that, you know, to from my perspective, and I've, you know, looked at a decent amount of scholarly uh, research on this, I'm almost equally concerned with a very narrow mandate as I would be with the extremely broad mandate that McKay just read, um, because there is absolutely no reason to think you ever could contain it to a single subject. Even mm. if the supposed resolution said, okay, we're only going to let them get in there to discuss a balanced budget amendment. We only The only precedent on the books for this is the original Constitutional Convention in 1787. And the only thing they were supposed to talk about when they came in for that was the ratification of the Articles of Confederation. But then they all got in the room and they said, ah, never mind that. Let's just write a whole new constitution. So the only instance when this was ever happened, they went wildly beyond their original mandate. <laughs> now we're happy they did. We love our constitution. But it certainly stands for the proposition that there is no way you could ever confine this to a single uh, topic or a narrow topic, even if you called for one, which this resolution does not. So I don't know that there's any way you could ever start this ball rolling without essentially putting the whole Constitution on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. Well, and Representative, it sounds like you, you, you would be worried then about this idea of a convention. I mean, as you just said, if you can open up the entire Constitution, I, I mean, the 19th Amendment gave the women the right to vote. I'm sure some people would like to take that away. Uh, <laughs> I am desperately worried about a constitutional convention. It is it it terrifies me like few other things do. Um, but for for more reasons than I can count. I mean, first of all, we have no idea what kind of document would emerge from this. Um, I feel like this would be a very bad time in American history to open up our constitution to a rewrite. Uh, we're in terribly divided times. Uh, they don't make founding fathers like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, really concerned that, you know, everybody might go in there thinking they have their pet project. We don't even know who would be at the table or how those people would be selected. Um, we mm -hmm. might see serious curtailments to all of the freedoms that make America, America. 
And the one thing that we can all still rally around is our constitution. People are so divided, they don't agree on much. And to jeopardize our one unifying document and, and institution um, is utterly terrifying. So McKay, well, you know, as we mentioned at the top, you can I just step in real quick? You teach constitutional sure. law. And so what I'm curious about is um, how much easier or harder would it be to change the Constitution if a convention like this happened? The next question is, if this happened, does that automatically open the door for any time these states then want to convene, they can? Or is it a one-time situation? Or do we even know? Yeah, that, that, that it's the last thing that you said that's correct. We don't, we don't even know. Um, there are some people, some groups um, that suggest that we, are, we already owe 10 constitutional conventions already because um, of the way that they count petitions from various states. Um, there's, there's just very little consensus about what happens, not only if a convention was called, but as you say, after a convention has been called, does that mean that it's just kind of always open? And that as long as uh, 34 states get together, they can continue to uh, propose changes. Uh, it's just a, a, a process that is ripe with uncertainty. And like Representative Rubel said, um, it's really not uh, a, an ideal time to do this. And I think it's worth remembering that our Constitution uh, is a document to which we all lay claim. And it does um, a, a lot of things, including the rule of law that is uh, that is critical to who we are. So, Chuck, um, you wrote about a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. So with that said, I'm curious about your thoughts on what kind of consequences a, a constitutional convention could potentially have on the U.S. Uh, you know, that, I don't know if it will happen. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really skeptical about where, whether it's even going to happen in, in my lifetime. And, and the, the reason being that this started uh, during the Reagan years in 1981, when the, the deficit went to uh, one trillion. And you know people were going ballistic at that time. And so they were calling for a balanced budget amendment and everything else. Uh, by the way, 1981, uh, President Biden was uh, in his 30s. And so this has been going on for 43 years. And even if we get to the point where the stars are aligned and uh, we have a constitutional convention called for, uh, even if they acted on something, uh, it would have to go back to the states for ratification. And that's 38 states that would have to sign on to that. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't bet on this happening in my lifetime uh, unless I live to be uh, 120, but, and, you know, maybe I'll get lucky, but, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm really, really skeptical about what, whether it's going to happen at all. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming in today. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of this conversation. So appreciate your time. Remember, this conversation will continue at City Club of Boise on Thursday. We've been speaking with McKay Cunningham. He is the director of on-campus experiential learning at the College of Idaho, where he also teaches constitutional law. 
Chuck Malloy is a longtime Idaho journalist and an independent columnist. And Representative Alana Rubel, she is the Idaho House Minority Leader. As I mentioned, they will all be at the City Club of Boise this Thursday talking about amending the U.S. Constitution. We're going to put a link on our website, Boise State Public Radio. Org. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudet. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.